the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno, Brad, and Nick. Hello and welcome to the QTB podcast. My name is Nick and I am joined by the one, the only, on TikTok, they call me the Scat Man, but Brad, they call this guy the Hat Man. Look at him. It's Brad. What's oh, up, man? Nick, what is going on? It's a great time to be doing another amazing episode of the QTB podcast, because you know why? We've got another special guest joining us tonight. Why don't you tell the audience who we got tonight, Nick? Yeah, we've got a very special one. Of course, joining us from the QTB crew, our resident blog writer, blog writer, and our uh, a speed running aficionado in his own right. We've got Justin, aka Night Strider, on Twitch. There he is. What's up? There guys? he is, the champion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love writing brogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, good to have Sounds you. Sounds like man. another. <laughs> Another merch merch opportunity. <laughs> Brogs. <laughs> That's right. Resident but, Brog writer. <laughs> absolutely. And I'll tell you, Justin, it's a good one uh, to join us on here today because I think we've got a pretty exciting episode, some big news stories to get into. Right, Brad? Nick, Nick I think tonight's going to be a quite, uh, this episode's going to be lit. I have a feeling. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brad, because today's sponsor is also lit because we are brought to you, the big story, rather, is brought to you by our friends over at Razer. Now, this is pretty insane, okay? We, we, we've we had some pretty cool promos from Razer so far, but this one takes the cake. Chroma Mania is happening right now at Razer, um, which means you're going to get some ridiculous savings on some of their most popular RGB lit gear and more. You can save up to 60% on gamer gear so good it glows on products like their Razer Kio Pro webcam that streams at 1080p 60 frames per second, by the way, the Razer Kishi for those smartphone cloud gaming sessions, and even their sleek and high-tech Razer Anzu smart glasses, right? Use our affiliate code in the description, our link there in the description for this episode, and let the savings light the way during Chroma Mania season, only available for a limited time. You can't beat these deals, Brad. I mean, Nick, already, I mean, the fact that you can get these deals on their website and get a little bit of bonus with coming through the QTB link... You got to do it. You got to jump it on on it right now. I'm looking at that 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 camera you talked about, 1080p, 60 frames a second. I mean that that could that's really gonna up my setup. I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm looking at that right now. So that's looking real nice. So there you go. Check it out. And thanks as always to our friends at Razer for sponsoring the big story. And our big story for today is coming from VideoGamesChronicle.com. Um, and we actually, I actually did a QTB speed run on this, which is our new kind of short form content. Well, I would say short form. It's, it's about a 10 minute episode, um, where we focus on one kind of gaming topic, kind of editorial style. And in it, I actually talk about this. So after this podcast, make sure to check out that video, um, about just this fiasco that occurred over the weekend. This is, this is pretty frustrating for on the Xbox side. Um, And what this article is essentially talking about is that for almost four consecutive days over the weekend, we had this outage that occurred over on on the Xbox validation uh, server. Now, what that validation server does is, while you may still be able to be online and play games and what, what have you, if the validation server is offline, you lose the ability for your games that you digitally own for this server to say, yeah, you're good to go, you own the game and you can play it. The way that they have their servers set up is that, let's say, if you don't have access to 
uh, or you haven't played a game before, you've purchased it, you've downloaded it, but you haven't launched the game, if you go and try to try to play that game when that when this server is offline, it's going to say, "Oh, you don't own the game." <laughs> Sucks to be you. Um, and needless to say, this caused a lot of confusion and frustration uh, among gamers. As some people were reporting, "Well, I can play this game, but not that game." Some people were saying, "I can't play anything, even games that I have launched before," um, and somehow having no problems at all, which led to a lot of chaos and a lot of media coverage, us included talking about this this part of the Xbox infrastructure, right? Their, their, their approach to DRM or digital rights management that we don't normally see with a lot of, of the competitors like Sony and Nintendo. So Brad, what I'm wondering from you is, you know, when you see this, first of all, were you affected by it? And just what's your take on this whole weekend and what it spells out hopefully for Xbox going forward? I think it it highlights a, a a true underbelly of of the the mobile and the uh, cloud movement, right? Is is ownership of digital content, right? So with Game Pass or whatever you choose to, you know, ever you you get your games, if it's all digitally supported through these servers, especially games you maybe never even played but just added to your system, and then it gets it something goes down, you know. It speaks to the folks who love to buy hard copies of games and play on discs. You know, there's a lot of a lot of frustration about load times and in game running. You know, in terms of how games run off of a disc versus being able to download it to your console and play off the the, the powerfulness of the Series X or any Xbox console you own. But you live at that you live and die by the the ability of Xbox to maintain their servers and be accessible. And when it goes down like this, and you have issues that you can't play your games. It begs the question, well, do I truly, uh, I, I would ask the question, do I truly own the game then? I don't, right? I, I just, I'm I'm getting a license to play it digitally at the expense of Microsoft when they choose to say, hey, yeah, that, that's coming back to us now. And so are you spending money? It's it's kind of like a pay, it's a paid service, not so much uh, paid for ownership. And, and that, and that's an interesting, if they continue, if Microsoft continues to have issues with keeping their servers from going down or it goes down more frequently, I could see uh, that seeing the fan base being pretty upset about not having access to their games. I personally wasn't impacted. The only games I tried to play were more single player games. So I was able to load them. I noticed a lot of issues also just across with social, social experiences, just everything seemed to just be not functioning at a hundred percent over the weekend. And so just doing certain things, even downloading certain apps, like everything just seemed to be struggling. So when that's the basis of what you offer and that's your service and you can't deliver, fans are going to be upset. Oh, yeah, naturally. I mean, when you think about uh, how, how Xbox has positioned themselves, right, to be the, the champion of game preservation, a topic that is becoming more and more uh, on, on the forefront, especially in the retro gaming community of like, man, we can go back and play NES and SNES games, but like, <laughs> are we going to be able to play, you know, Xbox One, Xbox Series S, X, PS5 games, you know, uh, 50 years down the road if we really wanted to? Um, I, I think there's a challenge there. So Justin, I mean, I, do you think that there there is kind of a bit of a, a, a juxtaposition really between these two stances, right, of saying, well, we're all about game preservation but at the same time, you know, you have we have to tell you that you're allowed to play the game that you purchased at all times. Yeah, I think it's a problem. And I mean, personal opinion, uh, I mean, on top of that, if they lose, you know, their servers uh, due to a power outage or whatever reason that might be, um, what about the consumer themselves? Where do they lose Internet connection? You know, maybe something, you know, they go down for repair and their community 
uh, for you know a day or two. I mean, if you have a digital product and you can't connect to the servers to validate that, are you just not allowed to play at the game that you rightfully purchased? I mean, I, I for one am against DRM in a sense, but I, yeah, I, I, it's definitely something that has come to light again since over the weekend. Uh, compared to when the whole DRM first kind of kicked off around 2013, I think it was. Yeah, that was the big one. Um, you know, when when the Xbox One was unveiled, and they're saying, "Oh, hey, you know, we're we're unveiling." Well, I mean, they they, they didn't make a, a big to do about it, but the information came out of like, "Hey, we're we're going the digital route. We're not going to give you the ability to you know let you have a friend borrow your game." And right. I mean, it was one of those moments in in the console wars, if you want to call them that, where where Sony had a counterpunch <laughs> ready to go, and they aren't quick on most things, but they were quick on this to put up that video, being like, "Here," and I think it's still up to this day. It's a YouTube video of like the the PS4 guide um, to uh, to uh, trading used games, and it just shows one, one guy from Sony just handing a game to the other guy, and they're just smiling at the camera, and that's the end of the video. Like uh, nothing else really needed to be said, right, Brad? <laughs> Well, and, that, and that's the point, right? PlayStation doesn't have a DRM system like this at all, right? They own games for them are fully playable even if you lose internet, right? Like, I think there's a rare exception with, like, Diablo 2, right, where the, you know, the publisher mm. supersedes this with their own DRM. But yeah. it, I think that's a strength that PlayStation's going to rest their hat on right now more than ever is that any own game you have, you can play even if you lose internet indefinitely, you know, like, it's yours, and and you you have accessibility to that at any time, twenty four seven, right? So, uh, you know, I think as long as Game Pass is the core of what Microsoft aims to do in terms of their Xbox gaming platform, that lends itself to you never really owning any game. It's not an ownership. It's a it's a temporary license and uh, to play what's on their servers. And so, in a lot of ways, that's beautiful because your content is large. But at the end of the day, you've spent, you know, what, 15 bucks a month for several years. And at the end of the day, if you lose Internet or their servers go down, what what's in your library? What's there? Correct. What and do so you got? Many of these, no, not, these, nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. And you're looking at the, the base models for this next gen. Right. You did the Xbox Series S and uh, the PS4. Right. That base model PS5, rather the base model. Uh, not including a, a physical disk, disk drive. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, the disks these days are largely just the, the serial codes, right? Like you, the games don't fit on them, and even if they did, there's probably a day one patch that will uh, cause that uh, that to be immediately irrelevant. Uh, going to some of our comments here, uh, one of the nice things about the podcast: uh, those that join us for the live stream do get to uh, be included with their comments. Fluffy Bunny, one of our uh, our QTB uh, supporters. Uh, on Patreon, asking if you can't resell it, do you own it? That is an outstanding Ooh, question because, question. <laughs> yeah. and I mean, look, this is a problem that goes as far back as Steam, right? Because Steam has come up with some unique ideas of like you know achievements being tradable through those trading cards, or even some in-game items on places like uh, Team Fortress Two, <laughs> being able to trade those things. But this is something that I, I know a lot of uh, people are uh, proponents of blockchain are trying to say. Well, this is something that blockchain can solve because if these these develop these storefronts get on board with the idea of a blockchain and letting you own a game that you can you know there's a there's a ledger that proves you own it that you could technically somehow sell it to someone else um as long as you know it would be worth less than whatever they could just get for it on on the steam storefront or the epic game storefront but the the counter argument to that is why would a storefront ever agree to something like that because that would undercut their own sales um, at, at the end of the day, I, I really think, you know, this is just how it's going to be with digital game ownership. I don't, I don't see any path forward to say, Hey, I've got a game digitally only, 
and I'm going to transfer the rights to you for for X amount of dollars, right? Well, I mean, it, 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 I think that's a big driver for this anyway, is you think of the third-party businesses that have made made a business out of nothing, out of that, right, of, of reselling consoles and games and you, GameStop. That's GameStop's business model is come in, trade your games, get in-store credit value, try out a new game, buy a new game. But the, that's all based off, off, off having physical cartridges, discs, and systems, right? So you now are evaporating that third-party market by going straight digital with a DRM, you know, um, you know, preservation or something like that, because now GameStop can't digitally own or trade games. And that's now not undercutting the value that you'd be selling those games from a publisher standpoint and the revenue that they are making off a game or what Microsoft would be making with Game Pass. You know, that's the only way you can. Those are the two ways you can now make games accessible. You can't go to a GameStop and pick something up off the shelf. It's just that's going to be irrelevant in another five or ten years. I think yeah. that makes sense to me. You know, I, I, I just, the GameStop is, is trying to find ways to be relevant. It's been a lot of fun watching it as a, as a meme stock <laughs> as they say, uh, as they say rather. But um, I think there's going to have to be some pretty big innovations there for physical media to continue to be the way forward. It clearly is for Nintendo. And I talk about this on the speedrun episode of look at what's happening on the, on the Nintendo side of things that game collectors are really rallying around the Nintendo style. Um, and even entire companies are, are coming out of nowhere that their entire job is to take indie games that are digital only and give them physical releases, not just for the switch. Some do branch out into PlayStation and Xbox, but the switch seems to be the most popular place to make that happen. Um, there is a market for it. Um, that is it is very important. Also, uh, uh, Mako Titan here saying, uh, not only that, but they showed the PS4 video at E3 of all places. They wanted to send that message all the way home. I mean, yeah, you know, that was when E3 was a thing, that was the place to do it, right? <laughs> Absolutely wild. Um, but but yeah. I think what you're going to see, Nick, is in another five, ten years, as physical media in the gaming <laughs> sphere starts to dissipate even more, you're going to have you're going to have you know old school fans. Who are going to want to just have that opportunity? You're going to see kind of this consolidation of who has and owns the old systems with the old physical discs and cartridges, and there's going to be a need and a want, uh, supply and demand to want to have those available. People are going to pay high end out of their pocket to be able to have an original Mario 64 cartridge, or you know, like I mean, it's already happening today, right? So that 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 niche market is only going to get more specialized and more and and, and cost more, right? Because as these go away and new discs and new things are not brought out, those th there's a limited number of those copies, right? So I think true old school fans will gravitate towards trying to still buy and have those for their own personal collection. And going forward, you'll just you won't be that won't that will be a a relic of a pastime. Yeah. What I'm really hoping for here is that we see the same thing that we saw when when the news broke that they were going to increase the cost of Xbox Live Gold. Um, where you know the the fans and there was there's been a lot of backlash over the weekend because I mean look there is there is nothing I think every gamer can agree on this there is nothing worse than having an entire weekend of gaming stripped away from you for some dumb reason sometimes it's like a DDoS attack on like Xbox Live servers and you can't play online or in this case it's just something as arbitrary as a single server that's it, its job is just to say hey you're good to go <laughs> saying hey you are not good to go. And everything goes down the tube. It's uh, it's it's a domino effect that that really upset a lot of people, and I think uh, made made many people rethink. You know, man, do I really want to commit to the Xbox ecosystem long term if if my game ownership can be turned off? You know, as as easily as that. 
So, uh, you know, hopefully we get a response. We All we know so far is that they're working on a fix that will make it so that um, if you do have a console set as your home console rather than an, uh, one of those away, like, cloud logins that you can do, that they should be able to loosen up the restrictions as was originally intended because, Brad, you said you were able to play single-player games, but some people it was every game, including single-player. The, the validation still has to occur. Um, so I guess we were the lucky few. I played a couple games myself and didn't get hit, but, man, the people that did, they were... They're very upset, so I'm hoping to see, um, you know, a very uh, a quick and concise uh, response from from Microsoft soon that says, "Hey, here's how we're going to address this problem." I agree. Yeah, be nice. All right. Well, speaking of quick and concise, we have to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Thank you, as always, to our, our, our QTB Patreon supporters, like our QTB and Fuego supporters, Epic Capture Productions and Matt.bat, and our QTB Plus supporters. That's going to include Nick Nick, the Dudist Monk, Indie Gamiacs, Alan Abadessa, Mr. Grove Games, the Intergalactic Pinecone, and Fluffy Bunny. Thank you all so much. This month, we've got a lot of great stuff happening on Patreon, including we have uh, a double header this month for our QTB Nostalgia Vault bonus podcast. You can only get there. We're going to be talking about 90s McDonald's and 90s Burger King, the ultimate one-two punch of the fast food oh, game. They're getting their own <laughs> episodes, and they're going to be they're going to be delicious. You might even say I'm loving it. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, no, I have a feel. I have a feeling that's going to be a big and tasty episode, Nick. Oh. Oh, wow. Man. And I, 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 have to, I have to mention this, that uh, for fans of the, of the Kirby Balls videos on TikTok, we did release a premium ringtone version of that that you can only get on our Patreon. You can support us for as little as $2 per month, uh, and that is going to go straight towards helping us keep the lights on here at QTB. Thank you all so very much for your support. Okay, guys. Next story, and this is coming from Nintendo Life, but really it's it's more of a cross-platform problem. This is a shocker, and this is talking about uh, Street Fighter VI. We finally got an announcement for Street Fighter VI, what was it, last month, and mm-hmm. not much else beyond that. But now, instead of finding out what's going to be in the game, we're finding out what is not going to be in the game, <laughs> and that is Faye Long. So this story stating that uh, one of uh, Street Fighter V's composers, uh, is uh, Daniel Lindholm is his name, saying that uh, it is all but confirmed that Fei Long, a martial artist and action film star from Hong Kong, fictional, of course, in the game, um, who is Capcom's tribute to, of course, the legendary martial artist Bruce Lee, um, that apparently there's been some kind of shakeup with the Lee family, that they're no longer allowing these types of cameos or appearances, even if they're not directly using the, the Bruce Lee name, which means the removal of a, a staple fighter for Street Fighter. This guy's been around since uh, Super Street Fighter 2. He's been in every game since then. And now, you know, at, uh, at the wish of just, you know, one, one family, all of a sudden he's out the door. What was your initial take on this, Brad? It was, uh, it was uh, so long, Fei Long. That's how I felt when I saw it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know I, it's, it's sad. I mean, we live in a day and age of licensing now, right, for video games, right? Long, long gone are the days that you could create some sort of uh, 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 loosely based, you know, fictional character that it has ties to a real life person, right? And it, now you either have to go full into it with a licensing deal to obtain the rights or just try to avoid it altogether, right? Because I think what you're seeing, especially with someone immortalized in real life as Bruce Lee, um, you know, people are are very sensitive of how their those the families of those people are represented in in media, whether it be in the news or on video games. It doesn't matter, right? So 
Uh, as sad as it is, I think, um, you know, I, I even though I feel like Street Fighter pays homage in some ways to, to Bruce Lee, you know, in a fictional way, um, you know, I definitely I can see why this is they're t- they're making this move to save themselves a huge legal situation with with huge financial ramifications. Right. I mean, that's really the only way you can interpret it. Right. So a, a good question from Mako Titan in the audience saying, you know, parody is protected by the First Amendment as a form of expression. So why are they removing him? Uh, is it just out of respect to their wishes? So. Right now, all we have is just kind of this this interview with with Daniel where he's essentially saying, and he says, this is a quote, um, he said, a character I would like to rewrite the music for would be Fei Long, but he says, I have sources, uh, and, and not only Capcom, but also friends in the U.S. who are very close friends with the Lee family, and they've basically said that any kind of resemblance to Mr. Bruce Lee is now omitted for comedic effect or comic stuff. It needs to be honorable, and that's why we won't see Fei Long again ever. I I, I kind of take issue with that. It seems like Capcom, if that's true, is overreacting because I don't see any kind of comedic effect with the Fei Long character. I think Street Fighter is pretty darn serious. I know the characters can be kind of caricatures at times um, and larger than life and, you know, over the top with, with the way that they fight. But, I mean, Fei Long is, is pretty clean cut um, as far as his presentation. I, I wouldn't ever view him as, as a, a comedy character, right, Justin? Yeah, it, that's the thing that's actually shocking to myself. Um, I, for as long as he's been in Street Fighter, I've never gotten that feel from his character that he's there as a comedic effect. Uh, he's always been this, I mean, brilliant martial artist, much like Bruce Lee was. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a bit of a shock that this is coming out of the blue like this. Um, you know, we've never heard anything as far as um, being that they had any uh, issues with him being in the game or his likeness being used in Street Fighter. So for them to come out, if this is true, being the lead family, to have him removed from the game or they're doing it out of respect to the lead family, it's just one or why now compared to all the other instances where he's been involved in the game. Yeah, there are there is some speculation that um, uh, that we did have a, there was an appearance from Bruce Lee, um, obviously not the real Bruce Lee, but in uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, film in 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there is some belief that maybe that his his appearance in that uh, caused the family to say, you know what, we we want him to be more respected in the appearances that he makes in any way, shape or form, even if it's not with his real name. Again, I, I most likely think that this is an overreaction from Capcom. If this is true, right? Right now we're going off of what uh, a single composer is saying, but it's making a lot of headlines. So if Capcom wants to strike that down and say, no, that's not the case, uh, now would be the time to do so. And they haven't. This has been uh, news for about two days now. So I, I, I do think we, uh, we, we basically at this point know just by, you know, uh, by, by their silence that this is most likely the case. Now, you know, there is a, a great article I was looking at from uh, WatchMojo of the top 10 video game characters based on celebrities. And I, I think it's a good conversation piece and kind of why I wanted to cover this story because, you know, you never really think about this when you're making a video game, but it happens all the time that a, a character will be either loosely based off a real person that maybe you can just tell if you're paying close attention or it's admitted in a developer interview down the line. Um, or, you know, it, maybe it, it literally is that person, right? We're seeing that more and more in video games with the actual people showing up in, in video games. So this list goes over that top 10, you know, uh, uh, video game characters based on celebrities. And I have to ask you, Brad, you know, do you think do you think it's it's a potential pitfall in in 2022 for a video game company to make a, a parody character to pay homage, you know, with the risk that down the road, you know, if this becomes a su- successful franchise, rather, 
that they could risk them saying, oh, well, we want our cut of the pie or we just don't want you to use his name at all. We, we could sue you, right? Uh, this is something I'd never thought about before. Oh, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, and, and I, I don't blame Fortnite for this, but Fortnite has exposed or leveraged that because they have such a gigantic financial pool to, to, to dive into, right? So they can throw money at anyone they want, celebrities and in different industries. I mean, man, who haven't we seen get a skin, a licensed skin in Fortnite, right? And there's money to be had by li- signing away your likeness to be used in a video game. And I, so I think long gone are the days where you can pay and, and try to argue that you're paying homage to someone without having to cut a check. And and that is an unfortunate reality of where we stand, especially because games are so much more, I would say, that the, the graphics and the realism is so much better today than it was 20, 30 years ago. Like, I think back to, you know, um, an old school Street Fighter game, you know, Balrog, you know, he was named Mike Bison in Japan, but had to be changed <laughs> to Balrog in the States because he was clearly based on Mike Tyson, right? No, so, it's a different name. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and, and, and but because the graph, it was a 2D fighting game and the graphics were what they were, it's hard to, to I would be hard for me to say definitively in court that that looks like Mike Tyson, right? right? And so, but now with graphics being so real and you can basically get so close without... You know, what, how can you object, put objectively what, how close is likeness to saying it's the real thing, right? And so I think now with, with where games are at, it's really difficult to try to pay homage and get away with benefiting from saying, oh, well, we've got a character like Bruce Lee in the game, so that makes people want to buy it without the family of Bruce Lee or someone else going, well, hey, that's, that's our person. You know, we want a cut of, of your, your, your revenue from the sales. So... It, it, it's it's a tough situation, but I, I think that's what you're going to see going forward or games are going to just completely move on without trying to do that from now on. Yeah, I, I think there may be some cultural issues here as well, because, I mean, Capcom, most of their development is going to be housed in Japan um, where they, you know, again, there just could, could be a conversation or they just they want to stay as far away from controversy as possible, whereas maybe someone in the States might be a little more gung ho about uh, about pulling something like this. But, I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. And some great comments here uh, in the chat. We got Epic Capture Productions saying if it was slander, it'd be one thing. But this is definitely not slander. Right. If anything, I think it pays a, a great homage to uh, to the Bruce Lee uh, legacy, right? You know, obviously there's there's some parallels there. Um, and there are plenty of other examples, uh, like we had mentioned on this on this article, talking about, you know, um, Raven from the Tekken series resembling Wesley Snipes in a lot of ways. Um, the Last of Us, right? Uh, uh, Ellie basically being... Uh, Ellen Page. I mean, what, what's your take on this, Justin? Do you think that there's a precedent for this? Do you think they're overreacting, or or is this how it's going to be going forward? It could be an overreaction, uh, and it can also be how things are going to be going forward. Um, one thing that comes to mind about this whole situation is if the Lee family, if, if this is in fact what's going on and why they're taking him out of the game, is if they see the outcry of fans and how much they love that character because of how much he resembles Bruce Lee and like we said earlier, that it's not really a comedic effect, but it's basically homage to Bruce Lee and showing him respect and the fact that Fei Long is this master martial artist. So, it, I mean, I, I think depending on how things move from this point on, it's been a good chance that we might see um, Capcom rolling back on the decision to take him out, depending on what the Lee family might say on the fans uh, after they, they see how much support they have in the character. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think back to, and you know, a lot of these characters are rooted in, in like the 80s and 90s. 
of of you know it was a different time back then and we have to realize that that you when you were looking at going to a game store and picking out a game right a, a lot of the time the only exposure that you've had is just the box art that was how they sold games and a lot of box art didn't necessarily represent the product you were going to get especially in the states when they'd have to westernize it um and i think back to um the the box art for contra where the characters Bill and Lance were intentionally made to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone for the Western box art. And of course, it's going to work, right? You walk into a game store, you see these two iconic action heroes. It's obviously them, but, you know, they're, they're not named anywhere else. So having, having something that, oh, oh, this is based on a character or based on a person, but we're never going to admit it, was very much a valid tactic to sell copies of games. People even say that... Uh, uh, Hugo from Final Fight and Street Fighter uh, was uh, very close in resemblance to Andre the Giant, um, just to name a couple of these. Like, I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. But I, you know, and then there's entire games like uh, man, like like Space Channel Five that like their whole thing is is having like ripoffs of existing singers and that kind of thing, where parody is what they do. Uh, Mako Titan here saying if Sony wanted to make a character named Blurby that was blue and not on enemies to get their power, uh, it, it might be safe to do it. I will say this: I wouldn't ever go after a Nintendo character ever for any reason. I don't care how much legal precedent there is. They are attack dogs, man. <laughs> right, Brad? It's, well, I was just say it's a different landscape now. You said, Nick, right, the marketing of games is different. The way they're made is different. And the, and the I would say, company publishers, you know, company, game companies, everyone, everyone has better legal grounding now. Like, the, that is part of the business model, right? You need to have a strong legal backing because you need to defend your IPs. You need to be able to say, hey, no, this is, this is our, our IP. This is our likeness. This is, I'm a person. This is me. You can't, I mean, we see this going on in sports. It, the, in college sports now, there's the NIL. It's the opportunity now for, um, college players to sign endorsement deals, make money off their likeness after decades of of you know the NCAA making video games and using the likeness of their college players to make money. And so now college players have an NIL deal opportunity. They can pursue their own interests and make some money and not lose their amateur status. So it's it's going across all industries. Gaming is not is not alone in this battle where you have to now you be able to license and get a deal and there's got to be a financial transaction associated with using characters in games or having a like a cross a cross pollination of of like Fortnite, right like bringing bruno mars and anderson pack or ariana grande or you know bringing in the street fighter characters all those things had to be a contract with with those people with their agencies to you know want to bring their likeness and before well before maybe it was like wow, this game wants to honor me by making someone that looks like me. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm down with that. Like that, that th- those days are gone. They, they that, are. That's a really good point. I, I, I like where you're heading with that because I think of, of Mortal Kombat, right? And they, they nowadays they don't need to beat around the bush with making a character based off someone. They just go throw the money and get it, right? They got Rambo. They got Terminator. Like it's no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and fans love it for that. So I RoboCop for God's sake. Um, that, you know, we're getting all of these very cool characters just thrown in, you know? I mean, that, that's essentially what, what Super Smash Brothers does nowadays. Um, that, man, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation that's coming from it. Who knows if we have confirmation on it or not, um, but at least, you know, the conversation is happening now about, hey, this is something that may potentially happen with the new game. That would be a low point, you know, as little information as we've gotten about Street Fighter if we already know that uh, a staple well, character won't be returning. 
it's going to drive up the market for the older games that have Fei Long, right? Now, all of a sudden, hard copies that are laying back to our last conversation, mm-hmm. a hard copy of Street Fighter Five or Four or you know any of the games where Fei Long is a, a playable character now will go up in value because people will seek them out. So Absolutely. Well, speaking of hard copies, I've got to read this copy, which is that our sponsor is Pierce Unlimited for marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business. Visit pierceunlimited.com. For those of you out there that said, what, what is he talking about? Copy is like a radio term for like ads. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, reading the, I'm reading the copy, the script, whatever. I don't know. It's a thing. Now you know. Nick's new lesson of the day. That's right. I'm trying to teach people stuff. And speaking of uh, new lesson of the day and trying to teach people stuff, we've got uh, a new segment here we wanted to bring in because we figured, my goodness, we're, we're trying to talk about the latest gaming news. So why not talk about upcoming game releases? And we're going to do this as a recurring bit. And feel free to let us know in the chat, you know, or in the comments if you're watching this after the fact or listening, you know, what uh, what games you're excited for that are coming out this week. The big releases here, thanks to Metacritic.com for this release list, we've got uh, coming up on May 10th, We Were Here Forever, a PC puzzle and adventure game. Consoles looks like it's still uh, to be determined, but will get a release eventually. Also coming out... Uh, today, May 10th, that's as of this recording, uh, Salt and Sacrifice, an action RPG on uh, the PlayStation 4, 5, and PC as well. Getting decent reviews there on PC. What do you know? You, you know something about that game, right, Justin? Yeah, I believe this is the sequel to the Salt and Sanctuary. Uh, essentially, it's a Souls-esque game. Um, uh, Dark Souls, for those who may not be familiar with a Souls-type game. Um, it. If I remember correctly, the uh, Salt and Sanctuary was made by just a husband and wife team, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so this is the sequel from that game, and it's essentially just another Souls game. Um, it, it looks fantastic. It's you know 2D, uh, old school style uh, graphics. Um, you know, the, if you've played a Souls game, you know diff- the difficulty. <laughs> Um, right. But yeah, it's it's exciting actually. I I, I love that you know, they're continuing with this you know story. Basically, uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's great to see indie games have successful outings. It's even better to see indie games manage to get that second entry because you know it's got to be just so much work for these for these developers to come back in there and uh, and go at it a second time and a rare opportunity i really mm. think without being you know bought out by some bigger company and now your game is being made by them so congratulations to them that's that's awesome Absolutely. especially for such a small team um and also coming out today uh, Iuden Chronicle Rising action RPG uh, getting decent reviews there on the on the PS5 um and also will be cross platform uh, Xbox uh, Series X Xbox 1 uh, Nintendo Switch and PC, if you want your uh, your RPG fix. Also, Brigandine, The Legend of Runergia, uh, coming out uh, on May 11th, the PC version strategy game. The Centennial Case, a Shijima story. Uh, a Shijima story, yes. Say that 10 times fast. Um, this is an FMV <laughs> adventure game. I, you know, I I love, I love that the FMV game is making a triumphant comeback. So many of the old ones like Night Trap or uh, or Double Switch uh, with, uh, was it Corey Feldman was in that game? Um, <laughs> getting getting these like re-releases and getting the footage, you know, getting the HD versions of it. But to see new games coming out as well, I know there's some Game Pass offerings that do that. I it, It's fun to see, and it's great that uh, there is, you know, some mild success in that, in, that, uh, in that field, right, Brad? No, you're right. I mean, I think you've got a better a better lay of the land on those those types of games than I do. So I, I got to ask, are you going to try it out? Are you going to pick it up? 
I don't know that I'll pick it up, but like, I just, man, there's something about them that are just so special because they have that level of kitsch where it's like, it's not, it's never going to be like a, an A-list celebrity or actor that's going to be doing these things. You know, there's always, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash the people that do it. There's, there's some good work that has been done on them, but you know, I think back to those '90s FMV games when they were first coming out, like Night Trap, and oh man, corny does, is <laughs> corny is an understatement, right? But um, you know, they are kind of coming into their own, and in a world where we've seen you know Netflix try to branch into choose your own adventure style uh, stories, mm-hmm. I, I think there really is a market for it um, as long as it's it's palatable and and believable and immersive is kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, is that your kind of thing, Justin? Uh, when I was a kid, yes. <laughs> I can specifically remember one, which I, I mentioned a second ago, was a Foxhound. Uh, it was a, it was a, you know, play on the old 007 secret ancient guy. You're going okay. around uh, FMV style, solving the mystery, whatever it was at the time. Yeah, um, phenomenal game. Uh, you know, for when it was. <laughs> if I went back and played it today, I'd. <laughs> but uh, games like this actually also kind of remind me of uh, the Mist games. Yeah, uh, the point and click adventure for the I, like I, those. I actually I adored those games. Never mm-hmm. beat them because the puzzles were too hard, but I love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and man, the I think the big release for this week, uh, hard to dispute on May 13th, Evil Dead. The game is getting a release. I got to tell you, and, and a big shout out to Terry, because Terry's been getting me up to speed on the Evil Dead series. Uh, I ended up watching a, uh, a movie with him recently, uh, one of the Evil Dead movies. And I love it. I I never thought because I'm, I'm usually not into slasher flicks or this kind of thing, but I just I love the the pure cheese that comes uh, with these films. And so I am I'm a fan. I don't know if I'll be buying it day one. Uh, I, I'm kind of I'm curious. So with uh, the game only being three days away, I guess there's an NDA on reviews right now. Um, but it will be available on pretty much any platform you can choose: Switch, PC, uh, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. Are you an Evil Dead guy, uh, Brad? Uh, I'm not, but I mean, I'm always open, you know, Terry, Terry does a great job of getting you, uh, you know, like uh, getting you on board with something new to try. So, I mean, I, I think for me, I'd be, it's something I, I'm willing to check out. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to open up my genre of video games more and more as, as we, uh, as the years go by. So, you know, uh, horror game, you know, not necessarily my forte, but you know, there's always time to try something new. Justin, what is your favorite Evil Dead weapon, and why is it the chainsaw hand? I mean, you answered <laughs> your own question. It's chainsaw hand. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, you can't go wrong. Bruce yeah, Campbell. it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, survival horror game. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like they're going more the, uh, you know, the the scary side rather than the uh, the fun side. I'm sure there will be that 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 iconic humor, right? But, um, yeah, time will tell. I'm, I'm definitely curious to see the the reviews for this because this has been hyped up for quite some time i've been seeing a lot of ads for it on xbox so uh we'll we'll find out very soon and that's your some of the images some of the images i've seen for it though it looks like it's gonna look fantastic i mean these games are gonna mean to have kind of this horror survival style game to have that level of detail and realism i think that could get you into it because i feel like a lot of the old games uh older older style games like that i mean it just seemed a bit cheesy which didn't allow the the true horror like realism to set in, but the real the more real it looks, the more real it feels to the you know to the show to the movie. Um, I think you're gonna I think you're, the fan, fans are gonna love it, and it'll it'll look beautiful on the on the PS5 and on on the Series X. So it's gonna be really fun. I mean, it's essentially Left for Dead 
just Evil Dead. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's going to look beautiful on the screen, but it's not going to look beautiful on your shirt because if you go to our website, quitthebuild.com slash merch, you can get some fantastic shirts and other fine products. Yeah, the QTB retro uh, a vibe there that uh, Brad is rocking is fantastic. Uh, we just put out a uh, a link there uh, recently for our pop art designs right through Pearson, uh, Pearson Limited, and they are fantastic. We've got a, a kind of a Sonic-inspired one. We've got a Mario-inspired one going off the conversation we just had, but we should pull it because if, <laughs> if Fei Long can't make it into Street Fighter Five, I don't know if we can have a... <laughs> A pop art version, but don't uh, dig us a hole, Nick. Don't dig uh, us yeah. a hole here. <laughs> I'll edit this part out, maybe. Um, but yeah, check it out. A lot of great designs. We got the pop sockets. We got the pillows. Um, really, all sorts of great merchandise. Uh, so now we're moving into to summer, the summer months. So forget about the sweaters. It's all about the t-shirts. Um, and I, as an owner of multiple, I know many of us do top quality stuff. And you get free uh, shipping if you have Amazon Prime um, with all the merch that we have, as that is uh, sold through Amazon. So make sure to check it out. And be sure to go to our blog, right, Brad? We got some great articles from people like yourself and even Justin down there. I mean, we're clicking on all cylinders in 2022, Nick. I'm really happy for what we're doing here at Quit the Build and for for our community. It's a great place. Check out our website. Our blog section is just thriving with new content from all of our creators. Uh, really great features. I know we even had kind of a cross-blog um uh, post from Chris at One Hour One Decision and reviewed one of a, a game recently. So yep. there's there's something there at the blog for every one of you. Like you can go find something. We've got food inspired articles. I know. I think uh, Terry did one about you know uh, the top five Pokemon inspired meals or you know something like that. And, <laughs> and so uh, I mean, I, there's something there for everyone, and that's what we're about at Quit the Build. Is we want to be a community for everyone, for all types of gamers different shapes, sizes, colors that we're here, that we're a family and you can check us out everywhere. Nick, we've got, we're on YouTube, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We're, I mean, where aren't we? Right. And, That's and Twitter, question. yeah. I mean, you know, even so, LinkedIn. Yeah. you know, grab a shirt, uh, grab a throw pillow, grab a pop socket, you know, whatever you need to feel like you're a part of our family. Mm-hmm. Come check us out, join our Patreon. Let us know what we should be talking about on the nostalgia vault episode. I mean, you know, there's so many ways to get plugged in and be a part of the family, and we want all of you to do that. So uh, that's my TED Talk, and thank you for coming, and come join <laughs> Quit the Build. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, I have to bring this up because our most recent uh, blog article there, Justin, you wrote, which is a review. I'm going to try and pronounce this right. Dorf Romantic, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Good job. <laughs> yeah. This game looks really chill. It was a really interesting uh, read, and it's one of your go-to, like, Zen games, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, my daytime job, I work at the hospital when the past two years has been, you know. <laughs> yeah. So coming home from that and being able to load this game up, I mean, it was bliss. <laughs> I, I mean, it, honestly, if you're looking for a super chill game that is just there to kind of just let you mellow out and just let all your cares of the world just kind of drift away and take the weight of the world off your shoulders, Dwarf Romantic is the game. It, nice. It's, Sold it's me. amazing. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So go to our website again, quitthebuild.com slash blog. Check out that article from Justin and a whole lot more happening there on the website. Well, that is going to about do it for this episode of the QTB podcast. Justin, you've already done it once, but I'm just going <laughs> to let you know you're going third. For Brad and Justin, I'm Nick. For Nick and Justin, I'm Brad. For Brad and Nick, I'm Justin. He did it. (laughs) Peace out. What do you do? (laughs)